We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Jumping in here shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, and we have a football game to talk about. The 49ers opened their preseason on Saturday. In case you're living under a rock, they lost to the Chiefs, but the loss is not what we're getting to today. We're going to talk about whose stock is up and whose stock is down, and then we also have a little news to touch on at the top and we'll talk about uh, our event on Friday. So stock up, stock down. Here we go. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to candlestick Chronicles. Before we get to anything else, we had an event on Friday, our first official Candlestick Chronicles event out at Cooperage in Santa Rosa with the Redwood Empire Food Bank. And I want to start there because we raised $1,000, over $1,000 yeah, for the just Re- on, Redwood Empire Food Bank. Just, just on, on the spot. And yeah. there's more Incredible. money. Um, more money is going to be donated from Cooperage uh, eventually once they tabulate how much money they they generated off the uh the candlestick chronicles hazy ipa which i think you might there might be like a couple cases left at cooperage but i think it's sold out just about everywhere else yeah um but yeah super successful event a ton of fun uh everybody on the panel had a good time everybody i spoke to who was there had a had a blast um both of our folks showed up uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of friends and uh it was just a, re- a really, really great time. We didn't record it, but I think it was better that way because we were we were a little looser on stage. Yes. <laughs> and a little whoever uh, rolled through, whoever rolled through with those beers about halfway through really, really cranked it up. Yeah. Shout out to uh, shout out to uh, Cal and Charlie and Tyler and Johnny, everybody at Cooperage helping us out. It was uh, yeah. it was really awesome. We had a very good time. And uh, yeah, their hospitality was excellent. I'm drinking a I'm drinking a keg slayer from Cooper's right now. It's really good. Really, it's good. really really good. Yeah, our buddy Jared came out. Uh, my buddy Tommy came out from the area. It was just it was cool to not only do this event. Um, our guy Craig, 
uh, came all the way out from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to come Craig. hang out. Um, Our guy Malik. I, he had he had other stuff going on, but I'm gonna pretend he came out just for the event. Yeah, he came Malik. out just for the event. Malik, Malik, was great. Malik my guy, <laughs> grabbed a chair and plopped right by the speakers oh, so he great. wouldn't miss anything. It was great. Like the guy was dialed in. I loved it. So shout out to everybody who came. Fingers and, crossed. And everybody we get who to supports. do it again. Yeah, and I I think there's a reasonable chance we'll get to do it again, and. uh so ho- ho- hopefully next time it's bigger and, um, you know, maybe a little bit smoother now that we have one of these under our belt. But yeah, um, I'm excited for the event. So thanks. Thanks, everyone, for uh, for supporting and donating and, and all of those fun things. That's incredible. All right. Let's talk some football. Uh, just some housekeeping right up top. The NFL now does uh, requires teams to do cuts in waves. So it used to be you had to do a 75 man. You had your 90-man roster had to get cut to 75 and then to 53. Well, now, after each preseason game, I think it drops five, right? You know what? I actually don't know the exact rule. I know they have to be down to 85 That's what by, matters. by Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday at um, 1 p.m., they have to be down to 85. So here's the moves they made on Monday. Eddie Vander does, James Burgess, Donald Payne, Ken Webster, were released. Ken Webster hasn't been officially released. Matt Mayoko reported it Monday morning and then Kyle Shanahan confirmed it. Yeah, he's he's on his way out. But uh, it, it hasn't been made official. Austin Watkins, the rookie wide receiver, undrafted rookie, broke his foot on Saturday uh, during the game. He'll go to IR, so his season is over and he comes off the 53-man roster or the 90-man roster, excuse me. And then the 49ers also signed linebacker Michael Kendricks. That got reported by Ian Rappaport, I think, during the game Saturday. Yeah. Uh that, that he was going to sign. Uh they made that official on Monday. So by our count with the five, the four cuts, the IR move, and then the Kendrick signing, they have to get rid of at least one more person by Saturday at one o'clock. Tuesday at one o'clock. Tuesday at one o'clock. Jeez. Almost Saturday. Close. <laughs> Jeez, at least it happens. I'm still recovering from the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that's, that's where that's at. Nothing yeah, the surprising. Watkins, the Watkins thing is, is pretty unfortunate because I think he's somebody that the 49ers would have liked to have on the practice squad. Um, right. And then maybe contributed at some point throughout the season, if there was injuries, but um, yeah, he's not going to play. So it's, he's going to be back competing for a spot next year, similar to what Juwan Jennings went through last year. And we're, we're going to talk about Jennings in this pod, but um. So it's probably going to be a redshirt season for, uh, for him, and and honestly, that's that's probably best for his development. The injury is not what you want, but being in a place where there isn't pressure to contribute and you can just become a better football yep. player is is going to be good heading into twenty twenty two. Yep, definitely. So we've done a little bit of a stock up, stock down thing when we had Nick Wagner from ESPN on. Um, also, Cooperage release party panelist Nick Wagner. <laughs> our favorite cast member uh, our very favorite cast member so we're gonna do stock up stock down kind of after each game just to kind of get a grasp of okay what happened and what are the ramifications moving forward like what what really jumped out from an individual player standpoint so the the first one is a couple of the receivers that were on stock up I should say we're gonna start with a stock up first one is a couple of receivers that that stood out on on Saturday for good reasons. 
Uh, Jawan Jennings, seventh round pick from last season who didn't play at all. Uh, he was on the practice squad and then had a bad hamstring injury that sidelined him for the rest of the year, as well as Simba Webster. So we're going to do two here. Simba Webster, the return man they signed. I'd been with the Rams and I believe they picked him up off waivers. Uh, so let's start with Jennings. What did you see from Juwan Jennings that that stood out? Because you had mentioned him on your 53-man. Uh, when we did our 53-man roster podcast, you had kind of brought up Jennings as a, as a player who might make it. Yeah, I actually didn't have him making it, but I think if I were to make a 53-man projection now, I would. Um, he, he had three touches, I believe, for 49 yards combined. He had a couple bubble screens that were called rushing plays, but more than just the, you know, the, the yardage production and what he did with the ball in his hands was what Kyle Shanahan said about him on Sunday on a conference call after the game. It was all about how he was just really impressed with the way Juwan Jennings was blocking, the energy he brought. Um, and I think, I think Juwan Jennings has some fans inside the building, um, and they just like the toughness that he plays with. And, and you heard sort of the same things in, in terms of physicality and blocking and size. Like if you're going to be a big receiver for the 49ers, you need to be able to block. Otherwise, they're going to prefer somebody who's really explosive in and out of breaks. And Jennings is not that guy necessarily. Jennings is is kind of a dog. He's he craves physicality. Um, That's the type of receiver he is, which I think is in contrast to, you know, some of the other guys that he's certainly competing against. So I think his skill set is a little bit unique in comparison to the other 49ers receivers. And so if he continues to play well and get better um, and bring that blocking um, and some of that tenacity that, that they like, I think he does have a legitimate shot at, at a roster spot. And I think before seeing him play, I didn't necessarily believe that because it just been it, it that was his first game. Right. And we haven't yeah. seen a whole lot from him on the practice field. Um, he's certainly not the fastest guy. He's not the most explosive guy. Uh, there are plays where you do watch him practice and you're like, man, I wish he was like a step or two faster. Yeah. Um, but I think just given the dearth of overall talent they have on the receiving core, I think he could help. Um, and I think particularly with Jalen Hurd's status up in the air, we talked about that big slot position a little bit. Like, I think that's where Jennings could find his niche. And so um, I said niche instead of niche. What do you say? That you're an asshole. Okay, great. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I say, I think I say, uh, I think I say niche. 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 Okay. Niche. It's one of those things. It's like Ted Lasso where you say a word, word become a sound. Like, I don't even, yeah, I don't even Semantic know. Semantic satiation. Is, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Plan? Plan. <laughs> but um, no, I think Juwan Jennings, just given the fact that there aren't a ton of other viable options, I think there's certainly a, a vacuum for Jennings to step into and, and find himself on the roster come week one. here's what here's what i i'm pulling up my old tweets here's what i said about Jawan jennings after the 49ers drafted him because i had never really watched him and so i just went through and started watching him Mm -hmm. uh just watched a little Jawan jennings wasn't ready for every catch to turn into a clip from the last scene of a rocky movie and that's how he is he's just a he's just a beast after the catch and i think if you're going to plug a player like that into an offense I think you want him to be in an offense like Kyle Shanahan that is going to create the space for you. It's what you do with the ball in your hands afterwards. And we saw that on the two tunnel screens the other night. Um, It's you see a lot of times a receiver catches that and then just runs into a guy and he's done. 
Uh, but Jennings squared his shoulders up nice and, and ran hard. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think he's going to be like the Kendrick Bourne replacement. I don't think he has that level of production in him. But I think he does have, have a useful role um, on the 49ers if he continues to, to play well in practice and, and through the preseason. Yeah, and I think in the same vein, if we're talking about receivers, um, I think Simba Webster is, is another guy yeah. that I'm thinking about differently coming out of this one. Uh, because Richie James hasn't exactly lit the world on fire in training camp and more on him later <laughs> didn't do a whole lot in the game on Saturday um, in terms of offensively or on special teams. And I think special teams is really, really would be the ticket for Richie James to make the team. Um, but Simba Webster had that big kickoff return. He had the long 34 yard run and, um, and just given the fact you can have him be a, a return guy for you, <clears throat> I just think that's super valuable because I, I know there's been a lot of talk about Brandon Ayuk being the return man, or at least punt return man, but I just don't think that's a that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't think risking your potentially number one receiver um, on punt returns all the time is 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 a good idea. I think situationally, like if you're down in the fourth quarter and you need a big return, yeah, throw Brandon Ayuk back there. Sure. But you, I think you do need somebody else. And so I think there's an opportunity for Simba Webster, if he continues playing well, um, to potentially be that guy. And, and he has some juice. He, we, he's, we've seen it with the Rams. Um, you know, he averaged nearly 29 yards, a kick return in 2019. That was down pretty substantially in, in 2020. But this is a guy who has experience. Um, he averaged, you know, 7.4 yards per punt return. Nothing crazy last year, but he can do it. And I think at this point he has more juice than Richie James. <clears throat> He's certainly not drop, dropping passes at the at the rate Richie James is in practice and in games. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's just an opportunity for him because you need a returner there. Yeah, he's. I feel like a player with his skill set stands out a little more in a situation where players are trying to actually like tackle him, and. It, if he can give you anything like field position wise as a return man, you 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 take that a hundred percent. And then if he can also he took an end around, what was it, thirty-four yards? Yeah, thirty-four. Uh thirty-four yards. Like if if he's gonna give you that as well, like I mentioned with Jennings, I mean, for different reasons, you could see where a guy would be useful a guy like that could be useful for for Kyle Shanahan when it comes to just kind of creativity in different ways. He can use them offensively on top of what he's going to give you in the return game. And that's something the 49ers have been trying to figure out for, for years um, is, is uh, a consistent, reliable, good return man. And, and Webster was that on Saturday. Now we can't draw total conclusions from that, but his trajectory is certainly going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, which, which probably leads us to Richie James and, yes. and the stock down portion of this, right? Perfect. Yep. Um, so we, we've mentioned it a few different times. Richie James has dropped a lot of passes in practice. I would venture to say he's dropped more passes in practice than anybody on the team. Um, and he had that drop on the third down play by Trey Lance, which might've been, you know, his second most impressive throw he made on Saturday, uh, on that long third down towards the sideline and, and James couldn't hold on to it. And look like Richie James, didn't really offer a whole lot in the return game. I thought the 49ers special teams for the most part, with the exception of Simba's uh, Simba Webster's long return, like there really wasn't a whole lot 
to be happy with from a special team's perspective. They miss an extra point. Um, the Chiefs had a long punt return. But anyway, the return issues were were not solved with Richie James back there, at least on right. Saturday. And so, you know, if or he's through the last two years or through. Yeah. I mean, in, in 2019, you know, he he went the entire season without muffing a punt um, until the Super Bowl. But, you know, like he he had been solid. He had been fine but he wasn't necessarily an asset. And now if he's dropping passes and still not providing a whole lot of juice in the return game, Richie James is going to have a hard time making the team. Um, despite the experience and despite what he did in that November game against uh, the, the Packers on that Thursday night where everybody was out with COVID. Um, so, you know, I, I think Simba Webster is really putting a lot of heat on Richie James right now. And James is not helping himself by dropping, you know, would be third down conversions on, on great throws from the rookie quarterback. I thought Richie James was going to be a name to watch as like the third receiver. Yeah. And the fact that he is being surpassed by Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield. And now we're talking about Jawan Jennings and Simba Webster. That's tough. And you had mentioned all the drops in practice, but if he goes into the first preseason game and, you know, looks good returning against another team and then, you know, catches that ball on third down on the sideline um, and then goes into this week of practices against the Chargers and kind of continues to play well, like you can start to kind of push that other stuff aside. But when that translates into a game, I find it really hard to believe the coaching staff, given what he's done during his time in San Francisco, where he's had an explosive play here and an explosive play there, but he hasn't been able to carve out a role on teams that haven't been loaded at receiver. Yeah. And that, that was an issue to begin with. It's even worse from a receiver depth standpoint this year, and he still can't carve out a role. I, I, you know, maybe they really value his experience with the team and in the offense, or maybe they just really like him as a return man more than Simba Webster. But if he's not going to be the primary return man, I don't, I don't know what, what role he has. Yeah. I mean, he started seven games last year because of injuries to Debo Samuel and, you know, 394 yards with 180 of them coming on that one game against Green Bay. Yeah. You know, it's just not it's it's for whatever reason, the skill set seems like it should be there and and he should be. Um, it, it just feels like given his speed, given um, the flash plays that, that you mentioned, like it seems like he should be somebody who's been more productive than he's been and he just hasn't really been all that productive in his three seasons so yeah i think uh i think his trajectory is not going in the right spot after one preseason game let's jump back to stock up i want to stick on the offense for now and talk about jamichael hasty who was their leading rusher he had 10 rushing attempts for 63 yards his longest run was 21 yards you had mentioned in our 53-man projection uh podcast that he looked explosive in practice. Um, and that's exactly how he looked Saturday night. Um, he was decisive. He, the thing that impressed me the most with hasty and, and really the big question I had was, can he generate his own yards at any point? Can he, you know, when there's nothing there, pick his way through and figure out how to get three or four yards out of nothing. And he did that multiple times on Saturday. Level of competition aside, just seeing that skill set in him while he's averaging, you know, more than six yards a carry 
And even if you take out that 21 yard attempt, he's still, he's up, he's still up close to five. So um, really, really nice game for Jamichael hasty. And, and given what we saw from the rest of the running backs, I think you, you, you feel pretty good about him. Yeah. I think it's fair to, to wonder if he's better than, than Wayne Gallman. Sure. Right. Like, I don't know that you would necessarily trust him more than Wayne Gallman at this point, just because Gallman's played a lot of games. But if you if you ignore their resumes and just look at, you know, use your eyes and, and watch these guys. I mean, Hasey's got some juice. He's got, you know, there there are a handful of plays throughout training camp where he's just made guys look really bad in the open field. Um, he does those really good stutter steps where, you know, the mm-hmm. defender doesn't know which way he's going to go. And and he, he breaks the other way and, and leaves guys looking bad sometimes like he's in a in a pinch. I think he can be a productive running back for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about like his hands. Like if he were to, if, if you needed somebody to be on the field for 40 snaps, like, do you trust him in that role? I'm not sure about that necessarily, but the 49ers do have depth right now. Um, with Elijah Mitchell being out, I think two to three weeks with an abductor strain, or at least week to week, Kyle Shanahan said, there's certainly going to be an opportunity for Hasty to get even more reps. Um, so it, you know, I, I think Mitchell's, probably going to make the team and and be there for week one i i would say he's probably third on the on the pecking order um in my opinion between you know i think he's it's if i were to make a depth chart right now would be raheem Mostert, trey sermon elijah mitchell jamichael hasty and then wayne gallman mm-hmm. that's just me and you could i'm sure there are people in the building who would prefer to have wayne gallman third over those those two younger guys but right um no i think i think your point about hasty is right on in that he looked really he looked potentially useful and you also don't want to overreact to the preseason because we've seen a lot of dudes you know lead the preseason in rushing and not really be viable nfl players but i think hasty right. does have a little shout bit. out to Corey sheets Corey sheets legend um <laughs> um it can't be easy segueing into our next stock down it can't be easy for the running backs right now though given what Two, two things with the offensive line. One, Trent Williams and Alex Mack did not play. Right. But the the glaring, glaring issue, I can put Jalen Moore started at left tackle, rookie fifth-round pick. I can put his miscues aside. It's Daniel Brunskill and Aaron Banks and Colton McKivitz at right guard. There was nothing inspiring. There yeah. was nothing that that was not three players who were all like right there vying for the starting job. It was three players where they're waiting for one to separate themselves. And I didn't see it on Saturday. In fact, I kind of saw the opposite. Yeah. And so what's been happening with Aaron Banks during camp was a little bit concerning because it had been a few weeks and he never got to the point where he was even getting reps with the first team to challenge Daniel Brunsko for that job. Tom Compton had gotten first team reps. Tom Compton, I don't think is a very good player. Um, Colton McKivitz had gotten first team reps. We'll see with McKivitz. I don't know that he's a very good player at this point either. Um, But the fact that Aaron Banks wasn't even in that mix with those guys to get first team reps at any point during training camp was not a good sign to me. And now he he's coming out of the game with a shoulder injury. He's going to be out. Uh, for a few weeks at least so any opportunity he had to unseat Daniel Brunskill before the regular season started is basically gone because he's dealing with this injury so um, you know 
a, a guy you draft in the second round at guard, you figure would be a plug and play starter. Yeah. So now that's delayed by at least the start of the season. Um, and watching Chris Jones do what he did to Daniel Brunskill, as, as particularly on that one sack, like that doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. And I would say, look, the Niners do have a pretty good offensive line. I would say 80% of their offensive line is good. Um, and you have an, a, an elite left tackle and potentially a very good center in Alex Mack and a very good left guard in, in Lake and Tomlinson. You don't know what you're getting from Mike McGlinchey, but you know, whatever concerns you have about Mike McGlinchey are not helped by the fact that Daniel Brunskill's at right guard and Aaron Banks is not there to, to at least offer, um, you know, the, the upside of a, of a young rookie that you hoped he would at this point. And so yeah. if there's an Achilles heel to the offense right now, I think it's that right guard spot. When they picked banks, was it 48th overall, 46th overall? Oh, you're testing my memory. Early round two. I just looked it up and I cannot, <laughs> I didn't write it down. I write down everything and I didn't write down this early in the second round probably earlier than they needed to take him 48th overall 48th overall. He needs to be good. Like I understand that Trey Lance is the, is the, the, the standard for this draft class If Trey Lance is awesome. It was a great draft, but right now for 2021, they needed Aaron banks to be awesome. Like really, really good day one running away with the starting right guard job. And now he has an injury that's going to keep him out for a while. And now I have a hard time believing he's going to do enough to win the starting job. So now he's not even going to start much less. Like it's not even, Oh, he's hurt, but he'll start when he comes back. It's like, they don't even know if he's an effective player. And And that's, that's, that's really bad. Because there are a lot of other positions that you need a depth, more valuable positions in the draft in round two. Um, receiver, cornerback, pass rusher. Um, and they n- didn't address those positions because they liked Aaron Banks. Yeah. And so right now it's not looking great for that pick. And maybe that changes. Maybe uh, Banks will be awesome, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. Our buddy Jared, who's a football coach and does a bunch of scouting work for Bleacher Report, said after, during the draft, he's like, I don't see the fit. Maybe there's something, but I don't see it. Yeah. And he looks right right now. I I watched some of Banks after they took him, and you could see what he does in Pat. Like, he's – I think his best asset was the way he anchors as, as right. a pass protector. Um, And I I immediately thought about, okay, well, you, you'd get a big body because you need somebody that can mess with Aaron Donald, at least a little bit. Right. Um. But Banks hasn't been that player. And like, there's still like there, it's still not clear if he fits. Like, I still don't know if he can get to the second level or, or kick out on those outside zone runs. You know, like he's a big guy. It's, it's like, it's eerily similar to the Joshua Garnett pick. Yep. It just reeks of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not putting an official yikes on it yet, but we're, we've got our hand over the yikes button. It's not off to a good start. No, not at all. Um, stock up. I want to How stick about... on the offensive side. Okay. We got, got a couple, okay. we got a couple defensive ones. Yeah. I just real quick, I don't even know if this counts as a stock up, 
But I want to shout out Jordan Matthews. Okay. I former wide receiver. Former wide receiver. Stock up. Because here's here was my expectation for Jordan Matthews. I was going to watch and go, oh, wow, what a disaster. But he comes in, and granted, again, it was late, but this is a former wide receiver transitioned to tight end this offseason recently. Um, he caught a pass, catch and run, 16 yards, good run after the catch. Sideline goes bananas, clearly pulling for this guy. And then he's down on special teams, making special teams tackles in punt coverage. And this isn't a guy that's like, oh, I'm going to be be a tight end, but I was a second-round pick of receiver, so I'm going to be awesome at this position. Give me a roster spot. This is a guy that just wants to play football, and he's busting his ass to try and make the team. So I don't even know. I'm not even going to say like, oh, yeah, but mark it down, pencil him in to make the team. I don't even know if that's the case. In fact, that's that's probably a long shot. My cat agrees with me. It's probably a long shot, but I just, I really, really thought it was awesome on Saturday, the way he kind of stood out given the circumstances and in the way he stood out. So I just at least wanted to shout out Jordan Matthews and it's stock up for me, even if it's not like, Oh, he's going to make it. Yeah. I don't know if he will make the team, but I agree a thousand percent with what you said. Um, I think everybody likes him just Mm -hmm. he's, he's very professional. I think he has a good mindset. I think he has a good amount of self-awareness which is important when you're coming yeah. in to compete for a job, you know, that, you know, he, I think he understands that nothing is guaranteed for him and mm-hmm. he's going to have to have an extremely good camp and, and perhaps preseason to make the team because it is tough to switch positions, yeah. but the 49ers don't have a ton of pass catchers, right? Like the guys yeah. at George Kittle, Brandon, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel are good, but like, do you feel awesome if Ross Wally is thrust into a big role? Probably not. Nope. Um, Michael Pruitt is more of a blocking tight end, and maybe he's somebody they need because I'm not sure Charlie Warner is that guy yet. Warner did have a nice game, but um, there's certainly opportunity for a pass catching tight end, you know, for somebody to play in the slot and like Uh, Jordan Reed role. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I I think that opportunity does exist. I wouldn't rule it out entirely. I would definitely call it a long shot, but I'm with you in that. He brings good energy. His teammates like him, and he goes about things the right way. I was just really sold when I saw him flying down, making a tackle and punt return. Like if that's a guy makes, who's almost thirty and was a second round pick six years ago. If he makes a team, he he's going to have to do that on special. Yep, yep, absolutely. Our last. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the offensive one and then we'll switch to the defensive side. You had a, you had a very good stock down and I would like you to explain. So I will let you present it and discuss. Oh, Trey Lance? Yes. Yeah, his completion percentage. <laughs> um, the completion rate is plummeting. Yeah, he completed four of 15, uh, five. which is five, five, five of 15, five of 14. There it is. Wow. Here we go. Yeah, Stats. Reading is Three, reading is hard. Two and one. Record it. <laughs> he, he completed five of 14, which is 36 percent. Um, and he still averaged over nine yards per attempt because one of those five completions was an 80 yard <laughs> touchdown. Um, so. Look, it's mostly about what Kyle Shanahan said on Sunday in that in the game situation, he thought Lance was a little bit excited and lost a little bit of the fundamentals that he had been working so hard on uh, throughout the offseason. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with footwork. I think a lot of that has to do with the, the timing of his release. The fact that, you know, when he really wants to throw it hard, his release can get a little bit long. Yeah. Um, and I think that was evident on a couple of his throws where particularly the ones where you saw defenders get in position to, to make plays on the ball. There were two passes that could have been picked. Um, mm-hmm. And I think those m- might have been a result of, you know, the fundamental things that the quick release not being as quick as it needed to be for Lance. But I do want to say, like. As problematic as completing 36 percent of your passes is. It was very much not schemed like he wasn't given many layups, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's in the game, gets a lot of layups, a lot of play action, a lot of short throws. Trey Lance averaged over 11 yards per depth of target, like per attempt. Air yards, yeah. Air yards, sorry. Yeah, so the throws were designed to be aggressive, right? The first throw of the game was designed to be a deep shot. Jimmy Garoppolo did not get that throw. Um, the 80 yard touchdown. That was a play they worked on. Like Kyle Shanahan was very aggressive with Trey Lance and wants him to push the ball down the field. So I think that's interesting. Um, given the context of what Jimmy Garoppolo typically gets from a game planning perspective. Right. So I think some of the interesting context with Trey Lance's first game has to do with circumstance in terms of what the play calls were, what the throws were relative to what we normally see with Jimmy Garoppolo. And 36% of your passes looks bad, but it's not terrible given that context. Right. Right. And I think one of the, one of the interesting things that happened a lot, I produced a radio show in San Francisco at 95, seven, the game. Um, just want to mention that. that at the event. I didn't, I, where do you brought that up? Yeah. Um, they, uh, the the big theme was it's five of 14 but there were three drops <laughs> and it's like okay that's fine but if you're going to do that if you want to play that game then you have to plug in the two dropped interceptions that's just that's going to be that's how that works if you want to play the what if game every ball that hit somebody in the hands was caught you add two picks to his line right so now it's 
what, eight, six of 14 with a touchdown and two picks. Like <laughs> it's still not great. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, it wasn't get rid of the box score, like get, get the box score to me. And I know this goes kind of against the whole stock down thing. Um, just to let me, let me finish up the stock down. Thing. There it was an there excuse were, to get Trey Lance into this conversation. No, that's fair. Uh, as far as there were a lot of throws that were not on the money. No. And something that had been talked about with him in camp, a lot of throws high. He missed a couple high. He missed a couple wide. He sailed um, one today in practice on Monday that went right to haha Clinton Dix for a pick six. Right. So um, you saw that a little bit. And again, that's why Kyle Shanahan, despite all the marvelous plays, is not saying this guy's going in because it's not perfect yet. And that's what it's going to have to be for a rookie quarterback to, to start for this team. Anyways. Um, I think you have to scrap the box score when talking about Trey Lance. Yeah, absolutely. You, you saw the, there were there were no designed runs, but you saw the mobility. He was under a lot of pressure. Um, that first play to Brandon Ayuk, where he kind of stepped up through the pocket and rolled right, and then threw a strike on the run. That's a great play. <laughs> I loved Kyle Shanahan's explanation for why they went play action on first and ten from their own one. And he was like, that's a situation we wanted to try and might as well do it in a game that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he in that situation, play action where he's dropping back into his own end zone, got to, what did Shanahan say? It's like his third read on that play. Yeah. Or it wasn't his first read. So I thought it was, we, we said this at halftime on Green Room during the game. Overall, it was good, but the warts were there that made you see why uh, Shanahan would be hesitate to put him into this would hesitate to put him into the starting role. Yeah. And the, he had two drives with two potential two minute drives um, that were unsuccessful, both of them at the end of the first half. Um, so that's going to be something he's going to need to improve on. I said it, I think I've said it on this pot, or at least I've, I've sort of hinted at it, but I definitely said it at the event. Um, I do think they should start Trey Lance week one. And you did that, say that. Yeah. And so, I think the issues that you see with Trey Lance right now can be masked by his supporting cast and by play calling and game planning and giving him layups um, in the passing game and also utilizing his legs in the running game. I think even though Trey Lance is still relatively raw and has some, in, you know, obviously inexperience, I think you can make up for that just given the surroundings, um, the foundation you have in place and all of that. So I would start Trey, but I, I don't say that because I think he's perfect and he's, he's completely ready. I just, I say that in large part because, you know, he's an inexperienced guy who needs experience. And I think he's good enough to deserve that shot. I think he's shown enough to where if you're Kyle Shanahan, who's arguably one of the best in the NFL at designing game plans specifically to certain skill sets at quarterback, I think he could do that with Trey Lance in a way that would be successful. Um, even with the 49ers contending or having aspirations to contend for the NFC West sure. in a loaded division. And I think the rate of growth we've seen from Trey Lance from the spring to now mm -hmm. is huge. And if he continues growing at that rate, like he might just be a really, really good quarterback by midseason, you know, if sure. you're playing him um, early on. So that's, that's my Trey Lance opinion. Um, I understand though, like, I understand playing Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't, I don't think sure. it, 
I don't think it would be a disaster or a bad decision or that Jimmy Garoppolo can't get the 49ers to the playoffs or even back to the Super Bowl potentially. I just think if you invest all of everything that you invested in Trey Lance, then Trey Lance should be the guy. And so I think his ceiling is clearly much higher. Um, Maybe the floor is higher with Jimmy Garoppolo right now, but the ceiling is a lot higher with Trey Lance. And so that's anyway, that's the basis for my argument there. Sidebar real quick. Don't want to make this a long thing because I want to move on. Trey Lance after Saturday, stock up or stock down? Hmm. I'm going to say stock up. I, me too. And I don't watch him in practice every day, but he was, uh, I was not expecting a disaster, but there was, there was, um, less bad than I thought there was going to be. Yeah. So stock up a little, I'm still not at stardom level like you are. Um, all right. Trailance completion percentage. Let's, uh, let's finish up our last stock up. I couldn't decide between Diamador Lenore and Talanoa Hufanga, so we just grouped them together as rookie secondary guys. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of talk about Hufanga on special teams and him wanting to be a pro bowler on special teams. I think he's a couple of plays he made on, on special teams. I think that's very much in the offing, right? He's very clearly going to be a good special teams player. There is an opportunity for him to win the starting strong safety job. Tavon Wilson's fine, but he's pretty average. Yeah. Um, Jaquaski Tart is not, it's unknown when he's going to even be able to practice coming mm-hmm. off that turf toe injury. And so like, there's an opportunity for, for Ufanga to be that guy. Um, and I think he got off to a really nice start on Saturday. I think he showed more closing speed that I anticipated him happening. Yep. I remember being Same. in the press box and watching him come across the field to make a tackle. And I was like, wow, like, for a guy who entered the league with a lot of question marks about his speed, he closed really well on that play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's made a few plays in practice. He had an interception. Um, it was a terrible throw by Josh Rosen last week, but wow, still an interception. Weird. Like, when, anytime a rookie makes right. a play, it's it's notable. Um, I, I just think the guy might be a really good football player. He was just, and, he was constantly around the football. Yeah. He had two plays early on. It didn't get get off to a great start. He had one where he like had the angle on Tyreek Hill, and then very quickly didn't have the. Nobody angle has on the angle Hill. on Tyreek. Right. It was it was very much a welcome to the NFL moment, but also like welcome. Not everybody's quite this fast. Right. <laughs> uh, and then he had a uh, a bad pass interference penalty again yeah, on Tyreek Hill. But again, that was just an overzealous like being near the football and just a rookie, uh, not used to the speed of the game yet. So yeah, and he's overall really. I, I thought a really strong night for him. Yeah. And I do wonder if he is your starting s- safety or one of them, like how does his speed impact how multiple you can be if you're D'Amico Ryan's right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Because Jaquaski Tar's pretty fast. He's fast mm-hmm. enough to, to put him in center field and you feel right. okay about it. If you're playing Jimmy Ward and man to man or closer to the box. Um, I don't feel, you know, I, I wouldn't feel great about Hufanga being the, the last line of defense as a single yeah. high free safety. If it came down to it. So that to me is the big question, but I think what you potentially could do is make him like a dime linebacker and right. have him have him on the field in third down and, and, you know, with within close proximity to the line of scrimmage. And I think he could be a real asset for you, particularly with Tarverius Moore out because um, you need that depth at safety. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned anytime a rookie makes a play, it's notable. Deomador Lenore did have an interception. Oh. Uh, ball thrown a little bit behind the receiver, but it bounced up in the air. He was close enough that he caught it. Um, he played a ton of snaps. And I think there were multiple occasions where he had really good coverage. He just didn't quite finish the play. Um, didn't turn his head around in time or um, really that's, that's just kind of it. Just never, never located the ball. It felt like he was really close. Uh, Amber Thomas stood out a couple times too with some yeah. good coverage down the field. Uh, but Diamador Lenore in particular had two or three plays that really stuck out. Like, man, that was really good coverage. He just, you know, missed one step. Yeah. So I, I thought I thought overall he and and Ambry Thomas were were better than I thought they would be. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Lenore played second most of, of any 49ers yeah. defender, 48 snaps behind Jared Maiden, who had 59. Wow. Um Ambry Thomas had 44. So I mean that's really what you need from those guys at the preseason is just playing a lot. Yep. Um playing sound. I think they were both relatively sound. There weren't any glaring like blown assignments from them, exactly. which yep. is good. Um, and so these are guys who are going to play at some point this year and you just need them to get as many reps as possible in the preseason because you feel pretty good about Jason Brett and Emmanuel Mosley right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we, you know, we, if we know anything about this league, it's that you need, you need corners who can play because it's not a guarantee that, that Jason Brett's going to be healthy all year or Emmanuel Mosley, frankly. I'm going to talk to Eric Crocker and find out how well Diamador Lenore stayed in phase. Not a bad idea. <laughs> Should probably do that. Um, <laughs> Eric Crocker, Brian, uh, Brian Peacock of the Lockdown 49ers podcast. They do a great job. Um, to those guys. Last stock down. I mentioned this to you and Nick during the game, and it just really stood out a lot. Arden Key was a player who... His name had come up a lot in camp. He's having a really good camp and just needed to get out of out of Las Vegas and out from under the Raiders. And he was going to be this, you know, the player that was supposed to be a first round pick before some off field issues tanked his draft stock a couple years back. It turns out as as uh, one might figure, Orlando Brown is better at playing tackle than Tom Compton. <laughs> And Arden Key, I swear every time, maybe I missed something, but every time I looked down at number 98, he was running into a brick wall at the line of scrimmage and not moving anything. Yeah. So it's a tough debut for, for Arden Key, I thought. So, yeah, I think to your point, Arden Key's done well in his matchups against backup 49ers linemen. Um, keep in mind, like he played in 14 games last year and registered a whopping zero sacks. Yeah. So, and I, I think the real issue with Arden key is just, I don't think he's great at setting the edge. Um, I think you can bully him in the running game and I think you can run right at him. And and that makes sense. You know, you look at him, he's tall, he's angular. He's, he's one of, he's not like crazy strong. Um, so I just think he's one of those guys that if he is on your team, he's a situational pass rusher at best, but the and again it's a preseason but his game did not give you a whole lot of confidence in terms of like well if Nick Bosa's out and D Ford's out and you know 
if if Arden Key has to play on the field a lot or has to be on the field a lot, like you're not you're not in a great spot. I don't think this might be gauche, but Dion Jordan vibes. What's gauche mean? I think like like not. I've always used it as like not um, not kosher, like not. This might be messed up, but. I'm going to look okay. it up now, though, because I've never thought to look it up. I might have just been using it wrong my entire life. <laughs> I honestly have never heard that. Um, but I, I don't think it's a bad point. Looking ease is unsophisticated and socially awkward. Huh. I guess that works. Like, if it's just not, like, cool to say that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going with it. This is okay. right. Tweet at me at Kyle A. Madsen. Did I get that right or wrong? I hope we have an English teacher or something that listens. I think Dion Jordan vibes is, is fair. Okay. So it's not gauche. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I still don't even know. Um, All right. I spelled it right. G-A-U-C-H-E. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I don't think he's very good. That's my point. You're he I think he has a decent chance of making the team. And maybe he can he can grab he can grab eight snaps a game, you know, like take a series or two in the second quarter when you're resting your guys. Sure. But if Arden Key's one of your top two defensive ends, you're not doing great. Yep, I agree. Is that it? I think that's it, at least for this game. I'm really, really excited to see what comes out of these practices against the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, one other note we didn't touch on up top. Trent Williams left practice a little bit early. Mm. Uh, he limped off with knee and hip, knee or hip. It hadn't been confirmed yet. Knee slash hip. We'll know more on Tuesday, hopefully. Yeah, it honestly, like, given how cautious they've been, it wouldn't surprise me if he misses this week of joint practices. Yeah, and Jalen Moore needs the reps anyway. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it would not be great if, if Trent Williams this... missed any significant time. It didn't sound like Kyle Shanahan was overly concerned at yeah. the outset. Sure. Um, but, you know, if it if it's a contusion or whatever, they don't want that thing to linger. They'll put Trent Williams on ice and feel fine with that. Um, is this the last chance for Trey Lance to make a real push for the starting job by week one? These joint practices. <laughs> Good question. I don't think so because I think Kyle Shanahan is going to approach the third regular season game against the Raiders like the real dress rehearsal. Yeah, preseason. Sorry. Right. Um, I think he's going to, I mean, the games are going to matter for sure. If Trey Lance is, you know, losing his fundamentals a little bit and his mm-hmm. release is a little loopy, um, then that's going to be problematic. <laughs> As Kyle's cat takes over the podcast. Um, but he never used to do this. I don't know what his deal is. Sorry, if he loses his fundamentals and if his delivery is still loopy, go ahead. Yeah, then then in games, then that'll be a little bit problematic because normally you don't really care too much about preseason games. But the fact right. that, you know, this is Trey Lance's first real game experience since 2019, I think that's the, the importance of it is heightened a little bit. I agree. But we're also you know, Kyle Shanahan said, I asked him on the conference call on, on Saturday, like what does Trey Lance need to do or what does he need to look like for you to get him more first team reps? 
in practice. And and he got a couple, he got, he got two straight on Monday, which was the first time he's gotten hmm. multiple in a practice, but they were both running plays. Right. So I think it was one of it, it spoke to Shanahan saying that he would be willing to use Trey Lance situationally. Um, in terms of what we haven't seen yet is like, Hey, here's Trey Lance getting a full move the ball period with the first team. Like right. That's really when you start to think about it as a competition. Would, Kyle Shanahan would, seems like he's slow playing. It seems like he's going to judge whether or not to give Trey Lance first team reps before the Raiders game based on how these practices against the Chargers are going to go. If that okay. makes sense. So if Trey Lance yeah. plays really well against the Chargers, then those practices that the media is not going to be allowed to watch the following week, that might be when Trey Lance gets the first team reps. And then we're not going to know about it. It's going to be a big secret. Right. So maybe that's Kyle Shanahan's just trying to get to that point before he makes any, any decisions. And it makes sense because if Trey Lance was getting moved the ball period right now, and he was taking lumps and we're all out there to. Yeah. Tweet about it. it. Yeah. To tweet about it and count stats and all that stuff. Like it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't do anybody any good, but if, if they can have those practices in secret and Trey Lance can take those lumps with the first team, and the media is not out there, then it's a much more controllable situation for Kyle Shanahan. Was it last question and then we'll go. Was it significant at all to you that when Jimmy Garoppolo came out and Trey Lance went in, that it was behind the same offensive line that started, yeah. including Lincoln Tomlinson and Mike McGlinchey? Yeah, definitely. But like, I want to okay. see him throw to George Kittle. <laughs> And like sure. I wanna I wanna see what the offense Debo will... Samuel also came out of the game yeah. when Garoppolo came out. Yeah, like I wanna see what you know, like put your put like you can imagine a running game. You know, we've seen Debo Samuel in the backfield before, right? Like he had that rushing touchdown against the Rams in twenty nineteen. Um he had that rushing touchdown. It was nasty. Yeah, the Panthers play design was sick. You think about all those things you could do with a running quarterback Mm. like that. So that's and and all the layups you can create through play action like Trey Lance didn't have any layups. There weren't that flow play that play action one way to leak to the leaking fullback or tight end right in the flat who's wide open 100 percent of the time. Right. Like Trey Lance didn't get any of those layups. So like. I just want like that's that's why I think the ceiling is just so much higher with Trey Lance even, even as soon as week one, because Kyle Shanahan's kind of throwing stuff at him right now and giving him a high degree of difficulty in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you see Jimmy Garoppolo complete throws that are a yard beyond the line of scrimmage and stuff on Saturday, give Trey Lance those plays with the starters and like, let's see what you can build off of that. Um, And it might be that Kyle Shanahan decides to do that when the media is not watching practice which would be next week after the Chargers preseason game. Boy. And it's going to be fascinating. I'm really interested to see how this these couple practices with LA go. Barring anything crazy, I'll be in LA Thursday and Friday. We'll record one on um, Thursday night. Thursday night live from LA. Live from uh, Los Angeles, yeah. To live in pod in LA. RIP Tupac. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to do it for Stock Up, Stock Down. Uh, our next pod will have a review of the practices 
Um, the joint practices with the Chargers will look ahead to the second preseason game. Can't wait. The Trey Lance storyline not going away. It and, is not. Um, and we're, we're coming to the exciting conclusion. So subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. And uh, thanks, everybody, again, who came out to the event. Want to single out Eric Branch, who did not show up. It's fine. Um, really selfish decision on his part. Like, he could have taken his, his oldest daughter to college, like, at any other point. Couldn't have started a different year? Yeah. And hold her back, be like, hey, sorry, sweetheart, but I have an event to go to. She has a driver's license, right? Yeah. Right. Anyway, I don't know what Branch is thinking. It's really cool that he got to do that. Shout out to the Branch. All right. We'll see you guys later. Save him some beer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.